Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kel Nelson, joined as always by Kevin Zerman. But as you can tell by the slightly worse quality in my voice and Kevin's in a minute here, we're back over Zoom, Kevin. Oh, no, fluid situation. Oh, it's very fluid. It's been fluid. Um, it's very funny how our lives reflect the NBA, which, uh, if you've heard, has been dealing with some COVID issues lately. But we're just doing that because... Uh, we're on the safe side and we're working from home now again. Yeah, we uh, we as like a, a company, I guess, just, <laughs> just to speak for the company, I guess, Kevin. Yikes, let's yes. retract that really quickly. Um, from the Arizona sports KTAR side, us being in the web department, like we can work from home and we've proven uh, during the pandemic that we are very capable of doing so. So on airing on the side of caution over the next couple of weeks for us around the studio who are around the office those who can work from home so here we are kev and boy is this a timely uh episode for that to occur because i don't know how much we how we use the verbiage last week kevin uh for those of you that did tune out when we said we're about to talk about covid for the next 10 minutes in the episodes if you don't want to tune in we don't blame you well it's here uh around the suns i don't know if we talked about it like an inevitability or not that's kind of how i felt at least just with the way that it was rapidly spreading around the league especially in the last week or so i believe that the number is over 190 players now have gone into the protocols in this month alone i believe and then 150 of those or something have been the last two weeks something like those just crazy numbers we were at a point, I believe, three or four days ago where the Suns were one of four teams left that did not have a player enter protocols yet in December. That ended on Sunday when Jay Crowder and Alfred Payton were reported by ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski to go into the protocols. The next day, it was reported Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton joined them. Alfred Payton had, and we're going to get into this in terms of a fluid situation, Kevin, very fluid, just the fluidity of the situation and knows no bounds. Uh, Alfred Payton played last night uh, in the, in the loss to the Memphis Grizzlies. So we're guessing that was some kind of contact tracing issue or a inconclusive test, whatever it was, Kevin, he got it sorted out and was back on the court, but we can roll through the last couple of games, hit on the Memphis game if we want. And we, we will briefly, but it's really hard to go in depth about anything right now, Kevin, because we don't know what's going to happen. And it's just a lot of uncertainty around this team now for the next, I don't know. I can't even put a time period on it. And that's why it's so uncertain. Yeah. I guess the, the one, I guess you can call it positive in the NBA is they changed the rules where you can come back sooner um, if you're vaccinated, because just the science has shown that, um, you're not going to be spreading it and all that stuff and you can get cleared earlier. Go read about it in Woj's story. If I, I'm probably not explaining it well, but I think that's... 10 days to six days, that's pretty much the only... So it's from 10 days to six days if you're feeling asymptomatic. And I believe the way he worded it was, 
proper testing results, but then there's also the line of if you have two negative tests spread across 24 hours, you can come back too. So a couple of different easier ways to come back in the fold. So it's it's going to, I mean, in a way that's good, but in a way it's also going to create more turbulence as far as the fluidity again of the rosters. And, you know, I don't know if Alfred Payton fell into that category where he just tested uh, positive, tested negative, probably not, but um, it, it's going to be a rocky ride for at least the next few weeks. But I think I'm writing a thing for our website about just like, New Year's resolutions, yada, yada. But for the Suns, to me, it's like, how do you find out things and learn things um, when you're faced with no DeAndre Ayton, no Jay Crowder in your starting lineup, no Monty Williams? Um, and I think the Memphis game with Kevin Young acting as the head coach was interesting just because it really did feel like it was him making um, rotation decisions, going with some really unique lineups, obviously, because he had to, but also... I don't know if Monty would have done the exact same thing. Probably not. No. Um, so, so to me, that's where following this team is super interesting because I think it, it not again, it's not good to get COVID, but they're going to learn some interesting things and it's going to be good for a team to um, face that adversity. I think, because as we saw in the postseason last year, there's going to be adversity that you don't expect, whether that's COVID or injury or whatever. And, you need to be prepared to have answers. And I think that's where this team's already at because them and the Golden State Warriors, top two teams, I don't know who's going to be in that tier, if anyone else, but that's to me what this team can learn in the next few weeks. I like the way that you kind of took control of the car here and turned us, uh, head us down our destination, however you want to say it. Wow, I can't talk. Because I think... When the bubble happened, it was very clear that a certain amount of teams were going to be able to take advantage of that. But I don't know how any teams can take advantage of this. Like, look, we'll get into players that could step up in this section. Jalen Smith played well last night. I also think that that game was just incredibly chaotic, and he brings chaotic energy in general. So it was like a perfect mesh for him to fit into the game. And I'm not sure how much we learned about him in that game specifically. And I think that's a really interesting way of thinking about it because the Miami Heat, I can confidently say if circumstances did not follow in that season and it was just a regular postseason, I don't think the Miami Heat make the NBA Finals. But they clearly were the mentally stronger team of a lot of the ones that they came up against and were able to take like a very difficult environment for a lot of guys mentally and just thrive in it and focus on basketball in the same way that the Suns did, of course, on their 8-0 run. And right now, I don't know how any teams can really benefit from this unless they have someone like a Jalen Smith, someone in the 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th roster spot. Maybe one of these hardship guys, Kevin, who winds up actually being someone that they could look to in a playoff series or in a crucial game down the line. I think that's really the only thing that teams can get from this experience the other part that we should add, Kevin, and because there might be, a, we might have a handful of listeners here who don't really follow the league as much and just follow the Suns and are kind of confused by what's happening in terms of why aren't the games being postponed when it's clear that the Suns could have more positives coming in and so on and so forth. The NHL paused their season for a week. They were pretty much pausing certain teams where it's like, okay, 
this team has like clearly has an outbreak going on. We're just going to put you guys on pause for a week. They tried that. And even that didn't really work. And they were like, okay, we're just going to pause the entire season for a week. I believe that they did a round of testing on the 26th on Sunday to kind of see where everyone was at in terms of cases. And then they were going to roll from there and see how many players they were able to kind of get out of protocols and kind of reset everything. And we'll see how that works out for the NHL. Uh, The NBA has not done anything like that. They had to postpone games for Chicago and Brooklyn, but they tweaked their rules to pretty much avoid this from happening, Kevin, in the future, because the athletic Sham Sharania reported that if a team has two positive cases or two positive tests on players, keeping them out, they are required, the keyword required, to sign a player to a 10-day contract on the hardship exemption. If they have three players test positive, it's two players on the hardship. If it's four or more players, it's three players on the 10-day hardship exemption and so on and so forth. So the NBA is basically requiring teams to field a healthy enough roster to play these games. They do not want anything kind of happening where we got, you remember that weird like third week of last season when Philly had like six guys and we were like, what's going on here? And then they finally like stopped everything. They're basically avoiding that from happening. Is it for better or for worse? I mean, with what we're talking about, Kevin, it's clearly for the worst of the product. Like last night's game for two and a half quarters was a mess. And even the fourth quarter was extremely entertaining. It was still mostly a mess. And and the Memphis is going through their own stuff right now. The Suns have OKC coming up on Wednesday, who is going through their own outbreak at like the same time that the Suns are. And they just played the Suns a couple of days ago. So... I, it is, I, I answer my own question. It's definitely for the worst, but it's just for lack of, uh, you know, when like you were in middle school or whatever, Kevin, and your parents would just say, life's not fair. It is what it is. And you're like, what is that? What, why does it have to be that way? What? Yeah. It feels like that's the, that's the two month stretch of the NBA. We're about to go through life's not fair. The league has to keep making money. It has to stay on schedule. It is what it is. Yeah. And I mean, the good news is apparently the science and if you're vaccinated, it's not a health risk where it's you're putting guys' futures at risk and all that. And there's so far so good as far as no cases where it's just like you shouldn't let people get COVID because um, they're vaccinated. And to me, though, with the it is what it is, if I'm being positive, I don't know, it, again, for casual listeners, um, it's fun that Joe Johnson and Greg Monroe are playing basketball and Greg Monroe is like, I don't know who our leading scorer was tonight, but he was very good. Um, he's playing for the Timberwolves, I think. Right. So, yep. Yeah. I mean, those stories are kind of cool. Like, do you, do I want to see Jamal Crawford come out of retirement for a few games? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Did, did Jared, do you know if Jared Jack's eligible? If the Suns need a dude, <laughs> like, I don't, He's been, he can practice with them. He's a year out or a couple of years out playing. If the so. Suns lose two of their three point guards, I will send that text. I will figure yeah. out from people within the Suns if that's eligible or not. Because Jared no, can still go. Jared can still go for sure. Knows the offense. What? He was playing for the G League last year. So it's, um, he was playing, right? Yeah. He's been doing like the big three thing for a while now, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that stuff super, that, that would be a fun story and a fun thing to watch for if we're getting entertainment value out of all this, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, like the Suns signed Emmanuel Terry because they put multiple guys on the list for the rules, like you said. So I don't know if that means 
they would consider him to stick on the roster or if they're just going to let him go after 10 days. But, you know, if you get a look at a guy and you, you think you've found something and he gets the offense and defense and maybe worst case scenario, you, you need him in the playoffs or something or down the stretch here. Like there's value in knowing whether you can trust a guy. So that all stuff is interesting to me. And I think just from a perspective of like enjoying basketball, you look at these fringe NBA players and you realize, Oh my God, these there's all these guys everywhere who are in China or retired at home doing yoga. Like Joe Johnson was building a yoga business. Um, things like that, where these guys can come out of retirement or come from overseas and play is super fascinating to me. Yeah, it is. It's going to be cool to see the stories that emerge. Even I, I saw, I haven't done enough reading and haven't even watched or looked at the stats or whatever, but apparently Brandon Knight, former son's great Brandon Knight uh, signed with the Mavericks a couple of days ago and has had like a couple of really strong games and told reporters last night that like he started crying when he got the call that he was going to be back in the league. And that's what a lot of these guys in, in night situation in Marquise Chris's situation uh, who got picked up. I mean, we saw Tyler Johnson get picked up another former son. You mentioned Greg Monroe, you mentioned Joe Johnson. A lot of these guys were at a point in their career where they definitely thought like the NBA was done. So for those guys to get another crack here over the next couple of weeks, whatever happens is, is going to be really fun to watch inside of those, inside of those moments. I'll say Kevin, the overall product I think is going to be kind of tough for the next month or two, but those, if you can just focus on those moments instead it's really cool. Like the Bulls, um, the Bulls, I can't remember who they waived, but they brought in Alfonso McKinney on a 10 day and then just waved someone on the roster to bring him back. They're like, oh yeah, right. we'd rather have him actually. And, and that's going to happen for a handful of these teams. It's going to be interesting to see who does it. And the other interesting part, Kevin, and like the unknown is we're starting to get more notifications now about players clearing protocols and players entering protocols, which is very nice to see, at least in the last like eight hours. <laughs> it's, just, it's been a really great eight hours, Kevin. Let's see if we can keep it up. Um, it, it'll be, it, let's see where it goes from here, right? Is this like, are we actually like exiting this mass outbreak within the league right now? Or are cases going to continue to pop up to this frequency over the next like, couple of months? It, it's, it's really unclear right now in terms of what happens. And we're just going to have to, Wait and see. Speaking of the 10-day guys, Kevin, the Suns added one already because if we can read between the lines here, the requirement of two guys, when they signed, they signed Emmanuel Terry, who, if he sounds familiar, he was on the 2018-19 Suns for, I believe, two games, three games. He got a 10-day from them, didn't get a second 10-day, just mainly a, a, an undersized center who, who brings a lot of energy inside. I think I remember you kind of liked him, right? Do I remember that correctly? Or am I thinking of someone else? I mean, yeah, I, for two games, he was good. Um, he's played <laughs> two of his three team. NBA games for the Suns, so he's he's for sure a Phoenix son of the past. Um, but yeah, yeah, so what? So when he came in, when he came in, it was like, oh, why are they adding a big when all of this kind of happened? And then DeAndre got added to the list the next day, and it was like, okay, uh, that makes more sense why it was a big then. Uh, so I believe. Um, that would mean they had to use the hardship exemption. And then we'll see if another uh, player gets put under, then they'll have to add another one and so on. So these are going to come for the Suns um, as well. I, how much do you want to get into the last couple of games, Kevin? I mean, last night, Christmas to me, the Warriors were just better. I, I don't know if, 
I I really like to have conversations on here based off of how the fans are reacting to the team, but we're getting in this really dangerous point of irrationality now with this team, if that's a word, of irrational acts where if the team loses or the team loses two games, fire Kevin Young. Um, Alfred Payton shouldn't play. It's like, okay, who should play then? Should Jared Jack get in there? And then people will actually seriously say, yes, he should play um, over over Alfred Payton and, and so on. I, I just thought to me, Kevin, and let me know if you had any extra thoughts. The Warriors just played better. They played championship level offense and defense for the entirety of the game and were just the better team. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and then Memphis just found themselves earlier in that game. And I thought the Suns were still kind of, Rattled by more effects that I'll get into here in a minute, but that, that that was my overall thoughts on those two losses. I mean, I took if Golden State doesn't have Pool, doesn't have Wiggins, and they win that handily, I take that as like they were playing like championship level defense. Um, the execution was awesome on their end, and if Steph gets going, like that's tough. Um, I didn't think the Suns played well in the first or the fourth quarters at all, really. Um, but that Golden State team's for real. And I think Suns fans who want to play the game of, like, if the Suns are the best team or not, I, I think the answer might be there already, especially if you consider Clay might be thrown back in there. But that's not a concern for today because I think that's already – what it was just because of who golden state is at their core. So yeah, I mean, I just don't think they had a great game Memphis game. I don't know. I I had good takeaways that they fought back, but they didn't play that great. Um, I think really the, the guy who's, well, the two guys, if we're going to take a positive negative, Cam Johnson has been playing really, really well lately. And he's starting to be pushed into just, firing away from three, which I think really helps his value. He's been great on defense too. Campaign has been up and down within games, between games, and that really kind of changes the Suns' status, I think, because he played really well against the Grizzlies when they made that run, but against the Warriors, he just had an awful time. I think it was five turnovers in his first shift uh, against the Warriors. You remember – do you remember what Dario game it was where he was like melting down in the playoffs and it was like, Oh my gosh, just get him out of there. And, and Monty just had him play through it. Cause you gotta, you gotta have him do that. I think yeah. it was Western conference finals. I can't remember exactly, but that was like the kind of meltdown that Payne had in his play. I think we briefly touched on it over the podcast, but I think the point that I'll make before we like get into two grand of declarations is that he I don't know if he needs to play as well as he did last year in order for the Suns to make the finals this year, but he needs to play pretty close to that. I don't know if people realize how much they rely on him and how much they don't really have any other answers elsewhere. Like you can't give that job to Alfred Payton. You can't just have Landry Shamer on the offense more. You can stagger Booker and Paul more in the playoffs, obviously. But if you're going through stretches where campaign is on the court and you're like, oh, they, they really need Chris Ball back out there. Oh, oh, man, they really need Book back out there. That was the luxury that Payne provided last year. He's one of the best backup point guards in the league, and he has just not been that this year. He, is, he has not been that good this year at all. And it's, it's concerning for a multitude of reasons, and something that people have gotten into and have noticed, like the main thing, Kevin, with him is he's, he's playing too fast, right? He's speeding himself up. But yeah. his main role on the team 
is to be the guy who speeds the game up because Chris Paul plays at a certain pace. And even when they play fast with Chris Paul, they're still playing a whole lot faster with campaign and campaign has to play fast. That's how he has to play. So does he need to like gauge it better and kind of play himself out of it and slow down certain situations? Sure. But I mean, you can't just tell him to go out there and like, Hey, slow down. Cause he's not the guy that's supposed to slow down. And in that Memphis game, again, just a chaotic game. Of course it benefited him because he, he plays kind of in a chaotic manner at times. So I, they, he needs to hit shots more too. It, yes. His like, like his spots or whatever, like his turnovers, his flow has been kind of off, but I just think honestly, Kevin, he's just missing a lot of shots. Like he's right now, I believe he is at 30.6% from three point line. Kevin, that is 13% worse than last year. 13 is a dramatic drop off. And he's still taking like the same shots from the same areas for the most part. The only thing that I really noticed is that he's hitting less shots at the rim right now than he was before, but before he wasn't like an excellent shooter at the rim by any means, his field goal percentage is down to 38.6. But again, I mean, he's taking almost half his shots from three and he's shooting 31% there. So that's really going to affect his percentages. Twos haven't really been that terrible. So I, I, I just think he just needs to get in a form where he's starting to hit a couple more shots here. And this is just something they're going to have to get through. And it, if it takes till March or April, it's going to take until March or April, but they don't really have another choice. They need to get him going. There's no... And people talk about like, now this is where people go like, oh, oh, what about trading for someone? It's like, where are you going to find the point guard that like fits their team and fits what they're looking for? This is what we talked about when he was going into free agency, like finding a replacement for him. There really isn't one that exists. Me and you, I think, spent like a whole podcast episode basically saying you cannot replace this guy, pay him. And, and it needs to be sort of that same mindset in terms of just giving him the playing time he deserves. And you remember last year, Kevin, campaign went through stretches where he wasn't playing. Like Monty would bench him from time to time, but Monty hasn't even benched him yet because I think he knows that better than anyone that they need him and he just needs to play through it. Yeah. With him, to me, it's not even shot selection. Like, yeah, it's, it's wild. Sometimes it's out of the rhythm. Sometimes to me with him, it's, I, I think a way to word it, as you've said, like he needs to have that high pace but I think he's forcing creation and he just needs to force pace. Like you can force pace and not force a pass over like three guys' arms and force, you know, I'm fine with him forcing buckets, honestly, and, and taking tough floaters and all that, because that's important. Like you've said. So to me, it really is the turnover issues. It's, you know, if you push the pace, you don't need to, drive into arms you can push it and kick and let someone else make the secondary pass little things like that where he's just getting into himself into trouble really trying hard to create for his teammates when i i think the pace creates problems without you forcing tough passes if that makes sense so i i think it's just maybe it's a turnover thing but more than that it's just like he's trying to do too much he is. Yeah. And I, and I think it's um, to your point, I think it's just as simple as he's a point guard trying to be a point guard when it's like, I think he just needs to focus on himself a little bit. Maybe if that was like my own individual assessment of how he's playing, but I mean, that's 
That's very niche, and, and I might be off on that. By the way, I stand corrected. Uh, shooting 43% on his twos this year, he was at 51.5 last year. Looking at the numbers that I referenced, though, in terms of like shooting accuracy and all that kind of stuff, down from 57% to 50 at the rim, which is a drop-off for sure, and like 50% at the rim is, is terrible. That that kind of drop is like, okay, you're like league average for guards in terms of 57%, and then at 50%, you're, you're doing pretty terrible. But a big drop-off for him is like been that floater range, Kevin, and I think that's maybe where being on the scouting report a lot more has hurt him. He's from 48% on short mid-range shots to shooting 34%. Kevin, on short mid-range shots last year, he took 101 of them. He's already at 94 attempts this year. So I think teams are forcing him more into that floater mid-range kind of situation where he wasn't at before. That's 36% of his total shots are on from those short mid-range, which is like 4 to 14 feet, really as clean the glass defines it. That 36%, that is in the 89th percentile among combo guards, which means it's really just one of the highest numbers across the league for guys putting up the shots that he does. So it's, it's a little bit of it is being on the scouting report more, which we talked about happening in the finals, but I also do think that shots need to go in more. And I think... Speaking on that last year, he shot 48 over his career, Kevin, for those numbers from the short mid-range in terms of accuracy. Uh, we've got 41%, 40%, but then 50, 49, 58, 45, and 48. So he's been a guy who's been able to hit floaters at a pretty great rate consistently, and it just hasn't happened yet here. Because that's the thing to me, Kevin, is when he was a really great shooter last year, didn't you feel like it wasn't just like a hot shooting streak? And like, this is a guy with really good touch just based on the way that we see him hit certain shots. Like he's a guy with great touch and he's just got, he just has to find it again. Yeah. And maybe it is the speed thing where it's just, you know, his touch shots on bank shots, for example, are just like clanging off the backboard and it's just no chance of going in and stuff like that, where, that is, again, just it seems like a speed thing where you're trying to go too fast at times. Um, but I, I again, I, I don't want I don't think Monty would ever just be like, you need to slow down, you know, because that's that's his role. Yeah. And, and I think I have been a Shamit defender for most of the season. But I think that once pain gets going, I think Shamit's going to get going even more, too. I think it's really hard for Shamit to find a rhythm when like the primary point card that he's playing alongside is kind of just an up and down roller coaster for lack of a better phrasing. Uh, the one other thing that I did want to mention, Kevin, that I alluded to that I didn't mention in terms of changes for them right now, they're going through a testing schedule, which has them testing again early in the morning, similar to last year. What I, what I don't have clarification on yet is just what exactly changed in terms of them um, needing like to block off the entire morning right now, because essentially what's happening is it's, it's 1245 right now, Kevin, they would usually be, they would be mostly, they would be absolutely done with practice right now. And we'd probably just be done talking to players after a practice. They're not practicing until four o'clock today or three o'clock today uh, because they're blocking out the whole morning, waiting to see all of the tests come in. And then people will be back in the building once, like they get all their tests in. So they're doing their absolute best to kind of contain everything as much as they can, but it's also, which, which is what they should be doing. Let me hundred percent state that it's what they should be doing, but it's also just kind of throwing off their schedule because they did this yesterday, which is why they didn't have shoot around in the morning. They had shoot around in the arena before the game, Kevin, they had it at like, whatever, like four o'clock, four 30 um, in the arena. And they're going to continue to have like this shoot around practice schedule, at least for, uh, I don't want to put a time period on it, but at least for now, that is what they're doing. 
And and that's another thing where it's going to throw guys' rhythm off and throw off their routine. Like we see a three o'clock game on Christmas. I don't think we talked about that enough, how it's just a, a matinee game and that can throw guys off, especially on a holiday. And we're going to be dealing with a little bit more of that. Um, I mean, the other guy that comes to mind here, Kevin, in terms of the person who has the most to gain from this type of uh, time is Jalen Smith, right? Yeah. And this is like, we've spoken about, like he hasn't cracked the rotation for obvious reasons, but under these circumstances, this State is the when... obvious, please, by the way, because I don't think people have, have absorbed the obvious yet. Yeah. Wait, what are you asking? Are you asking me to, or do I just do it? Jalen Smith. Oh, sorry. I'll say <laughs> Jalen Smith has not been playing because he is not ready to play. I believe me folks. And Jalen Smith works really hard. He works really hard on the floor. This is no dig at him or whatever. I'm just saying when you watch him on the court, especially in those two to three games, weird stretches where like McGee or Aiton was out or whatever. It wasn't necessarily when Kaminsky and Sarge were already out and like they needed him out there. He was actually getting like lost on the floor sometimes. Like he was completely in, in the wrong spot a handful of times. And there was actually one point where campaign was driving like from the through, from the right wing inside. And he ran into almost ran into Jalen Smith, at the elbow because Jalen didn't know where he was the entire possession where he was supposed to be. And and that's pretty much been my thing with watching him, especially over this stretch, is that it has been made clear why he is not playing from a NBA-ready perspective. Now, from a skill perspective, Kevin, which is where you can get into it, it's there. Obviously, like he has like the abilities and the talent to be out there. But from a readiness perspective, for everyone saying like, oh, he's really like making himself known right now. They should really be playing him. He's showing why he's a trade asset. I don't, I'm not going that far for sure, Kevin. I'm not. No, it's not. Well, it is. Yeah, sorry. I, yeah, sorry. I delayed on him just because people have been talking about it. Like it's this big thing. The Suns are screwing up by not playing him. And it's, it's not, believe me, it's, it's not. I, again, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm sorry. No, I mean, you can tell when a guy just doesn't know where he's supposed to be. And it was the same thing. I think we had the same talks about check Diallo couple of years ago where it's like yeah. dude could go get a double double anytime he wanted but Monty just didn't he had such a quick trigger with pulling him back because if you don't know where you are that's kind of why this team is as good as it is because everyone knows where to be they know what to do on defense they know what coverages and when to change coverages and how to communicate and um at some point you got to get that down and it doesn't matter what your skill set is. And, uh, you know, I, I was just going to go on and say like, he has physical attributes. He can, you know, compared to where we thought he was, he's a better player, I guess, when you say, okay, he's not bad staying in front of guys. His shot looks pretty good when he's get a cup, gets a couple opportunities. Um, so he's a legit floor spacer. Um, obviously the energy and the effort's all there, but that doesn't keep you on an NBA team and doesn't really raise your asset profile because like I just said, check Diallo, I think is another guy who signed a 10 day hardship somewhere, I believe. Um, and that's where he is. He's on the fringes of the NBA because he never got that stuff down. The Detroit Pistons, Kev, the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. In years three and four. So 
that that's the reality of it. And you have to start having that stuff click. Um, if you're going to be a trade asset, if you want to be part of the rotation, if Monty's going to trust you, you know, when it comes to important, important games. Yeah, I, uh, oh, man. So I think that he can really still, with all of that in mind, he can still really benefit from this couple of weeks because I think that it is very clear that he, I don't know, Kevin, I don't know where you land on this. And this is the part where I am going to like put my hands up and say, like, I'm not enough of an expert in the field to know if this is true or not. But I would like to think that even from someone in his perspective who clearly just needs more court time, that he is going to benefit no matter what from just being on the court and getting more time out there. He's certainly going to be in practices right now. Like that's the thing with the way that they're down on center bodies right now, he is going to be involved in practices more and that's going to help him even more. But I do think that like for his career to really get right back to get back on track, he is the guy that can benefit more than anyone else from this next couple of weeks in terms of just finding his footing and also figuring out like where he kind of lands on the spectrum of this, because the Suns are playing him as a small ball five. Now, by the way, I don't think we've mentioned that uh, like for sure, because what we talked about with him for so long was their quest to make him into a four, a four or five combo, but just like more of like a playmaking four defensively versatile kind of guy that never really panned out. They're just playing him at the five now. And, and that's where he's at least going to be productive. And we saw that last night. He had the best plus minus of anyone. He had 15 points and nine rebounds. He was, he was really solid. Um, I, I just wonder in this next couple of weeks, if he can see enough of the floor and get enough time to be out there and figure out where he lands in terms of what his role is going to be. How much does he pop into the perimeter? How much is he rolling? How, where does he feel the most comfortable for himself, like in an NBA situation? I think that is what it depends on a lot as well. Yeah. And again, you don't know how big the window will be because if DA is cleared in a couple days, then it's not very big at all. But I think the good news is at least you see the Suns, how they play maybe naturally. He gets the ball because people are just going to let him drift out to the three until he can make that shot consistently. Um, he's a strong role guy, too. And there have been times where, you know, Chris Paul's not afraid to hit him there. So. I mean, they have to build his confidence. I think confidence is a big thing with him just because, you know, as a hard worker, you can tell when the shot just like his three point shot just isn't there for one shot. Can he recover and then hit the next one? Um, it, it, that's the stuff where like really young players and what is he 22? Um, something like that. Like when you haven't played enough, you just got to get over a missed shot or not press because you know you're only getting 10 minutes and that kind of thing. And I think the Suns so far been, you know, like I said, they're going to get him the ball if the other team's not guarding him. The other team's probably not going to guard him until he can, you know, put 15 points on a couple teams here. Indeed. Indeed. Um yeah, we usually forecast ahead here, but it's really impossible to to say in terms of forecasting that Thunder game on Wednesday. Who knows who's going to be available for each team at that point? Because the Thunder just had uh, their head coach go into protocols today, and they're having an assistant be the acting head coach tonight, which means we could see an assistant versus assistant showdown tomorrow night. I wonder if that's ever happened before. Two acting head coaches, not not interns, no. but just like acting head coaches coaching against each other before. We could see that. Uh, and then after that, Kevin, the, the Suns go for uh, just a strange kind of 
stretch of the schedule. Uh, they will fly to Boston across the country to play at 11 a.m. on Friday. Ooh. So they'll they'll fly out. I, I assume they'll just fly out Wednesday night right after the game and get into Boston early because of that 11 a.m. tip off on Friday. Then they play in Charlotte, in New Orleans. Then they fly back here and play the Clippers in the heat, which are two tough matchups at home. And then they go back on the road. They go to Toronto, Detroit, Indiana, and then they go back south to San Antonio and Dallas from a trap from a travel perspective. That's a brutal three weeks. But Detroit, what was it? Detroit, Indiana, San Antonio, <laughs> like, Dallas. Oh yeah. In terms of like elite yeah. teams, they are not playing one elite team. They're, they're playing a couple of good ones like the Clippers and the, and the heat are okay. Boston. We saw them earlier there. They're just like lost in the sauce. Completely. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, but from a travel perspective, and especially if we're talking about a team that's going to have only like nine, 10, 11 available guys. And like a couple of those could be hardship guys that, they could potentially be facing that sort of situation. Uh, that that's brutal, especially the travel going from East Coast. Some East Coast stuff getting done here for sure. Um, It'll be interesting. They're going to have to use the private jets probably to get. <laughs> yeah, and they're, and they're in a something we didn't mention about the Memphis game. Something I didn't mention in my. Uh, I'd like the point of my story until the game got crazy was basically going to be like the Suns probably need to try and take advantage of these next couple of games. However, more I don't want to phrase it like that it is very unclear how much of like their full roster they're going to have as close as possible. So when they have Chris Paul and Dem Booker available for a game here in the next couple of weeks, like they really need to try and take advantage and win that game. So I did feel like the Memphis game was a lost opportunity in that regard, but we'll see how it goes again. Like there have been where I I'm acting like there's the majority of the cases and outbreaks across the league have been like six, seven, eight, nine players on the roster for sure, or more, but there have been a couple that have been isolated and the Suns are doing their best to keep it that way. And uh, hopefully they can for the, for the quality of basketball sake, for sure. And for us uh, talking about it. So there's not so much uncertainty, but we'll see what next week brings buddy. Isn't this, isn't this fun? Just back over zoom back in my dining room, talking to you. <laughs> I'm wearing no socks right now. Yeah. Good no good shit. for you. Good wow. for you, buddy. Good for yeah. you. Just everything's great. All right. Everyone have a happy new year. Uh we'll be back next week. Talk to you then.